0: It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to worship with all of the people that phrase has empowered to be worship leaders in this place. It's it's yeah, let's give him a hand. And and we know it's not just phrase. We know that God has gifted him and given him an anointing, as some would say an anointment, which is not a real word, for this type of thing. And and what worship has the tendency to do is clear the air. You know, we read in the Old Testament of the worshipers, and we teach this again and again, the worshipers who went before the armies of Israel into battle, singing and dancing, like our children down here, and like the child in the back who's continuing to worship. Even through the teaching, which is fine, it is okay. That stuff clears the air, and it establishes victory for us. So my job—I mean, it's over. It doesn't matter really what I say. I feel like the the victory has been won, and part of that is also because in Kalamazoo, I don't know if you noticed, right outside, these bushes have been cleared. And when we cleared the bushes, we found kind of a cornerstone on the side of the church. And it says, like, this church was founded in 1300. Not really, 1300. <laughs> but since, since that time and, and other churches before the river was even in existence, people have been praying for God's kingdom. They've prayed for it whether they knew what they were praying or not. And we continue to pray for it, whether we know what we're praying or not, every time, even in the liturgy, we say, your kingdom come, and your will be done. Whether that's repetitious, or whether one out of every hundred times we do it, it means something, it doesn't matter, we pray it. And we may not know what we're praying, but it's happening. And so it's an honor to be here this morning in this place. It's an honor to be teaching. It's an honor to ask God for his kingdom to come. Because when his kingdom does come in pieces or in whole, it changes things. And it changes the atmosphere. And so 10 blocks that way and 30 blocks that way throughout the past 100 or more years, people have been coming together saying, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. And we get to participate in the redemption of that, and in the happening of that. And so if you would pray for me this morning as I teach and pray with me, as we begin to enter into this, I would appreciate it. Father, how holy is your name? It is the most holy name. There is nothing more holy or hallowed than your name, and may it always be that for us. We ask that your kingdom comes and that your will is done in this place and on this earth just like it's done in heaven and we ask that you give us what we need today and we ask that you teach us to forgive today and we ask that you lead us not into places that are going to destroy us but you keep us. From the darkness that swirls around. Because it's all for your name. It's all for your glory. It's all for your honor, and it is forever. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, a story in, in Genesis 25 through 28 tells of an eldest son named Esau. Is the microphone sound okay? Okay. Tells of an oldest son named Esau who went out to hunt. And if we know anything about the Old Testament, if you were the oldest son, then you inherited everything, almost everything. And it was called the blessing, and the inheritance of the father was passed down to you. And Esau was a great hunter. And he went out to hunt, and on his hunt, because he was a great hunter, he exhausted himself and was tired. And he came back with his kill, like any other day that he would live, that was his role. And he was the eldest, and he deserved the inheritance, but he had a younger brother named Jacob, whose name meant deceiver, who was a sneaky little guy. And he decided that when his brother was hungry and tired and didn't really have it all together, he would offer him a bowl of soup for his inheritance. As if there wasn't enough soup for everyone, if Esau could have waited an hour. And Esau received this bribe and gave his inheritance to Jacob. But in order for that deception to work, Jacob had to be very sneaky And he had to lie to his father who was blinding and couldn't see very well and was about to die. And so Jacob went into his father's chambers as Isaac, his father, was dying. And he said, Father, it is I, your eldest son Esau, here to receive the blessing and the inheritance. But Esau was a really hairy guy like many of my friends. Not me. And so what Jacob had to do was he had to take animal skin and he had to put it on his body in order to lie and trick his father into thinking that he was the eldest son. And he did, and Esau must have been a really hairy dude if a deer skin. <laughs> or buffalo skin, is what I think it was, is able to fool his father. I don't think it was buffalo skin, guys. Come on. And so he said, I am your eldest son. And Isaac blessed him. And after he had deceived his brother and lied to his father, he stole his brother's inheritance. He messed up once. And then he decided to mess it up again. And then he messed it up a third time. And by this point, Esau realizes his head kind of comes back around to him. He's on a full stomach. He can think straight. What has happened? He's been lied to and tricked by his youngest brother. And he is fuming mad. And he's bigger and stronger. So Esau sets out after his brother. And Jacob thinks... His oldest brother Esau is going to kill him, of course, and he's afraid, and so he starts running and fleeing, and he runs with all his might, as far as he can, as long as he can, and he keeps going. You know that point where you get a second wind, you think you're about to just die, and then you get a second one? Jacob found about five of those. And he just kept going because if he stops, his older and faster and stronger brother Esau is going to catch up to him. That was just someone beating the fan with a flag. It's fine. And when he catches up to him, he's going to kill him. And so Jacob runs and runs and runs and runs until he can run no more. And we read... In Genesis chapter 28 verse 10. This cool little verse that says. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place. He stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there. He put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Now either he's an idiot. Or he's really tired. Because no one in their right mind would take a rock and use it for a pillow. No one in their right mind, unless they're just fully exhausted, need to sleep, have nowhere else to turn in any direction, but they just need to rest, would use a rock for a pillow. I would never do that. But I also am operating on a good night's sleep. Not three days without sleep, running from my brother in fear of my life. The moment the rock begins to look like a pillow, you know you're exhausted. You know you're tired. And so Jacob falls asleep, and he has kind of a strange dream. In this dream, he sees heaven open up. And he sees a stairway come down. And then he sees angels ascend to heaven and descend to earth on this stairway. And God tells Jacob that he's going to bless him and make him great and give him generations. But it's strange to me that in that moment of Jacob's like most intense exhaustion, where he has nowhere else to turn, nothing else to do, he can't go back to his family, he can't turn to anyone, if he stops for too long, his brother might catch him and kill him, and in the single place in his life where he has absolutely nothing left, God not only shows up and says he's going to bless him, but God gives Jacob a foreshadowing of his plan for all of humanity. God tells Jacob in this vision that there will be a time when heaven will be opened and his kingdom, this baby is just saying amen, it's okay. There will be a time when heaven is open and his kingdom comes down the stairway that he has made into his son the way and it is established on earth. And it is established on earth in pieces, and then it is established on earth as a whole. And Jacob gets to see the vision for all of humanity. God's plan for the entire world in a moment when he is utterly exhausted. Which makes me wonder, do you think Jacob was blessed because he stole his brother's blessing? Because he lied to his brother, because he tricked his dad, because he lied to his dad, because he lived in fear and ran for his life and didn't own up to his own decisions? Or do you think he was blessed because in a moment of utter and complete exhaustion, with nowhere else to turn and nothing else to do, so much so that a rock becomes a pillow, God chooses to reveal himself in all of his glory to this young man. I'm wondering if God's kingdom is for the exhausted. I'm wondering if God's kingdom is for people who have nowhere else to turn, who have exhausted all their options, who have been idiots far too many times, again and again and again. And have reached a place where, like Jacob, a rock looks like a pretty soft thing. Because life has been harder than that. I wonder if God's kingdom is for those types of people. You and me. I read in Exodus 19 about a guy named Moses. Who didn't necessarily do a ton of stuff wrong except for kill a guy in Egypt and really doubt everything that God told him um, and deny everything that God said he was. Other than those three things, he was pretty obedient to God and he went into Egypt and he said, Pharaoh, let my people go. And after a little conversation, Pharaoh decided, okay, you know, couple plagues later. Moses is leading the people of Israel out of Egypt by himself, marching them, marching them. I don't know where, but I think the direction of the promised land is that way. Let's go. And he finds himself at a crossroads where the Egyptians are coming behind him to kill him. And the people that he's leading have said, you are so dumb. Why did you lead us to this place where we have nowhere else to go? There is what seems like an ocean in front of us that we can't cross. And if we start to go around it, the Egyptians' chariots are going to catch us and they're going to kill us. We want to kill you now. The Egyptians want to kill him. His own people want to kill him. And he's afraid. And he has nowhere else to turn. And in that moment, he finds something neat out about God. God can manipulate the elements. God can make what seems like an ocean turn into two very large lakes. When you have nowhere else to turn, Moses you can look to a God who controls the seas. When you have nowhere else to turn, Jacob, you can look to a God who will reveal His plan for not only you, but the entire realm of humanity historically to the end of time. I think that the privilege... Of being exhausted and out of options is that when you have nowhere else to turn, you have the opportunity and the potential to see God. Not the God you thought you worshipped, but the God who is, the God who says I am, a God who can manipulate elements and a God who can reveal a plan for all of eternity. And some of us are there. This message comes out of prayer and saying, God, what do you have for the people of the river on Sunday? Which is difficult because I only get to preach every once in a while, and when I do, I want to preach about all the things that I like. But to sit down and say, God, what do you have for the people of the river? And to hear him say, There is exhaustion in this place. Marriages are on the brink because someone's done something and they haven't stopped. And there's no forgiveness. Lives are at a tipping point because we're out of options. Rod, just tell them who I am. Just tell them what I've done historically. And what I can do when we reach these places. And some of us are there. And that's why we have community. And that's why we have intimacy with the Lord. And that's why we have people up here after service who will pray and call on this God with you. It takes courage. It takes honesty to enter into those places and say, I am exhausted But not to think you know the answer for what you need, but to call on the God of the universe. Because Moses might have said, man, if I just had about 10,000 strong and enough lumber, we could build a bridge across this. But he got to see God for who he was. And if Jacob would have said, God, just give me more energy. Just let me run faster. A cliff bar would be nice right now. Then he wouldn't have got to see God for who God was. And that's all that the creator of the universe wants us to see. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let it always be seen as that for us. He's fast. (laughs) King David prayed in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in your everlasting way. And for those of us who are exhausted, you're in the right place. Not necessarily this place, but you're in the right place and state of being in your life because God will reveal Himself. All you have to do is call on Him. And for those of us who are not exhausted, because we have it all together, King David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way and lead me in your everlasting way. And that prayer becomes a mantra so that we can be led to those places where we have nowhere to turn but God and acknowledge those places as good. And if we don't do that, and if we don't embrace Matthew 5 3 that says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the people who pursue that calling, to have nowhere else to turn but the Lord Himself. We become like a man in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21 that Jesus talked about, that had everywhere to turn. And He yielded a great harvest. And He had so much in His harvest that he built new barns to store all of his backup plans and all of his excess. And then he died. And that's it. Jacob's kingdom ended in a moment of exhaustion. And God's kingdom began. And Moses' effort ended In a moment of exhaustion. And God's kingdom began. And this man's kingdom ended too. And God's kingdom began. The first two didn't get caught dead with all their stuff. It is one thing to think that you're okay. And to believe that. And it is another thing to be overwhelmed by a God who can manipulate elements and reveal his will to us. That's all he wants. Personally, I think that few find this path because it's difficult to imagine. Because we are born into a script called the American way where we know what we need and we always have a place to turn. And if we don't have a place to turn, we know the place that we wish we had to turn. But the kingdom of God is for those of us who have nowhere else to turn. So that's the challenge. It's easy when some of us are there and some of us aren't. For those of us who are there to say yes. But for those of us who aren't, The challenge is enter into the mantra of search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in your everlasting way. Because I desperately, like you, want to know the God who will reveal his plan for all of humanity and who will manipulate elements, and who will show up in places and do things that I couldn't have imagined just simply so I can know him more. That's the God we serve. And that's the God who wants to reveal himself to us. So that was a super short sermon. Think about it. If you notice around here, we have all of these things for kids. And that is simply because we want to engage our children in worship so that they can absorb. The way that all of us learn best is through absorption. I don't know if you know that or not. Everyone has different ways of learning. But if we put ourselves in situations where we are manipulating things that we're good at, and we have the opportunity to absorb, we can. And so not only do we have this set up so that parents and children can worship together, we have some things in the back that parents can take home and participate in application with their children, questions and family stuff. And then we have stuff on the website that you can get on and look for what to do within your family with your kids. Because I get it. I get it. We're used to Sunday school. But this is just a new experiment. And thank you for your graciousness in that. Because for a lot of families, it's really, really working. Secondly, we have a website, theriver.info. If you go to theriver.com, it'll be very hard to find. Theriver.info has things that are going on all the time. And if you're a student, middle school, high school, or college, you just click on that, and then you can see the Facebook thing and just jump on and get involved. And then finally, next week is College Welcome Back Sunday. Let's give these college students a hand. (laughs) College students, if you want a free meal next week... I'm going to have a sticker for you to put on. It's just a little dot. And after the service, every college student with a sticker is going to get either taken out to lunch or brought to someone's home for lunch. And I've organized this so greatly that no college student will be left out. And here's how I've done it. Make sure no college students are left out. Every college student with a sticker gets taken to lunch, either a restaurant or your home. Because we love our college students and we want them to grow and they are away from home and we want them to experience community and we want the older people in the church to teach our college students how to live and to love on them and this is an opportunity for you to take advantage of and love on our college students. So I'm going to have a bunch of stickers and you guys are going get, to just get focused and find those kids with stickers and say, come with me, you five, with me, we're going here and we're going to take them all out to lunch, and we're going to love on kids. But if I can just end by saying, the kingdom of heaven might be for the exhausted. And if you're there, then we are here to pray with you. And we're here to call on the God of the universe. And if you're not, and you would like to be, then we're here to pray with you too. Just don't get caught dead with all your backup plans. Find God ki- God's kingdom first. Don't forget your joy boxes. And Father, thank you for this community. Thank you that you, that, that you made me teach short today because it's hot in here. And I pray that you bless these people as they go. And may your kingdom come and your will be done in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.